All life is precious to you. From our first breath, we inhale your love. At our last moments, we exhale your name. Each one a child of the creator of all things. You come to us, God, as the light through the window after the long, dark night, the breathing in the silence, the voice in the storm. You are present in all things, in all times. You saw us in our mother's wombs. You watched us as children dance in the rain. And God, you tell us not to harvest the entire field. Leave the corners. Leave what grows in the corners for the widows, the strangers, the poor. We cannot shut each other out, God. We are your children. There are too many who wait in the corners for help, too long ignored, too long forgotten, too long alone. We will leave what grows in the corners for them, God. We will do this because we know what it's like to be in the corners and feel forgotten. Life is too precious, God. Life is a song we should dance to. Life is the embrace of a loved one. Help us see your son when we look at each other. Help us be the hand up to those who have fallen. Help us be the common voice to the loudest mind. None get ignored here, God. No one stays in the corners. Everyone is welcome at your table, Lord. Every last life, sacred. Amen. Good morning. According to the <clears throat> CDC, there were 446,197 deaths attributed to COVID-19 uh, this past year. Every one of them a tragic uh, loss of life. But according to other data, uh, 650,000 human beings lost their life uh, to the sin of abortion. In fact, 64 million human beings have died since abortion was legalized in this country 49 years ago. Um, <clears throat> we're living in interesting times. We have an administration in Washington that is, uh, seems to be hell-bent on uh, uh, supporting the, the murder of babies in the womb. And we have a Supreme Court who very possibly this year could overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, kind of an amazing time in which we live. Abba Care is our local crisis pregnancy center in town, and for decades now they have been supporting and encouraging and helping to direct um, women who are uh, struggling with an unplanned pregnancy, uh, helping them think through and walk through what their options are, and pointing them to life. And through their ministry uh, year after year, uh, so many hundreds and thousands of lives are being, are being saved because of that ministry of Abba Care. Well, this past year, Abba Care has announced um, uh, a broadening, expanding of that ministry, not only helping people with unplanned uh, and unexpected pregnancy, but helping couples who have an unexpectedly difficult pregnancy. Um, there are young couples in our community who 
are anticipating with great joy the birth of their baby only to go and have a, an appointment to find out something's wrong in the womb. And, uh, and they're being encouraged and pressured to end the life of that baby. Uh, an unexpectedly difficult pregnancy, uh, a challenging fetal diagnosis is now pressuring them to abort their baby. And so where do they turn? I mean, wh what are they going to do? This is happening right here in our own community where some in the medical profession are immediately encouraging these people, you've got to go get an appointment and get rid of that baby. Where do they turn? It's happened to four couples in our congregation. And so Abacare has started a new ministry that they call the Ezra program. Ezra is the Hebrew name that means to help, to aid, to assist, to support. And it's a ministry that is coming alongside families who are facing a potentially challenging fetal diagnosis and helping them think through and walk through and pray through that decision, a decision that ultimately ends up with life. Um, I read just recently where 85% of the diagnoses uh, related to rare, um, rare genetic disorders, 85% are um, improperly diagnosed. And yet young families are going right here in our community and getting this medical advice and are being encouraged to go ahead and end the life of their baby. Abba Care exists to help people with unexpected pregnancies, but unexpectedly difficult ones too. And Abba Care is worthy of our support and our encouragement. If you know somebody with an unplanned pregnancy or an, a very difficult one, maybe diagnosis that they've just faced, point them to Abba. Take them to Abba Care. Um, support them. There's baby bottles back there. I think there's a few left. And fill it and, and leave it back here. We'll give it to Abba. Or better yet, just write a check. Go online and, and support this valuable ministry of Abba Care. If, <clears throat> if you have experienced yourself an unexpected, difficult pregnancy at one point and you'd want to be a peer mentor uh, to come alongside these couples that are enduring that right now. Uh, contact Abacare and volunteer your time uh, to support a ministry that is worthy of our prayers, of our financial support, of our volunteerism, um, just of, um, they're doing a wonderful work in our community in days that are indeed very, very challenging, but very, very exciting to see what God's going to do. Would you bow your head and let me pray for them right now. Father, thank you for um, Abba Care and the ministry that you've uh, raised up uh, these many decades here in our community. Um, for their staff, for their uh, broadening, expanding this new program of Ezra. I pray for their wisdom. I pray for their protection, Lord. Um, I pray, Lord, that um, you will raise up support, not just financially, but others who might be willing to come alongside these families um, who've recently been given a, 
a challenging um, diagnosis related to their baby, being pressured to abort that baby. Um, Lord, um, uh, continue the good work in AbbaCare and, and now the Ezra program and encourage their hearts, expand that work. <clears throat> and Father, do um, what you do best and you bring life where there's death. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You, you know what we just did? <laughs> we just went before the throne of grace. We just talked with God. We, 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 that prayer right now was a conversation with Almighty God, the creator of the universe, and we just, we just took the, 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 the unseen spiritual realm and it just intersected with our physical realm. We just talked with God. And it's so simple, and, it, and, and we forget sometimes, we take it for granted that God is so accessible. Just to have a conversation, just to talk with Almighty God. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful blessing that we have. An old Wesleyan Methodist minister by the name of Samuel Chaddock in the late 19th, 20th century, he put it this way. The one concern of the devil is to keep saints from prayer. He fears nothing from prayerless studies and prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks at our wisdom. But he trembles when we pray. Talking with God. Now, last week we focused on uh, the war in the wilderness. Jesus uh, being taken by the Holy Spirit out into Satan's domain, the wilderness, for 40 days, not eating and there on Satan's domain in that weakened physical condition, Jesus encounters Satan and he triumphs in the wilderness as he battles Satan. Well, this morning we want to focus on um, how Jesus taught his disciples to do battle in that same wilderness through the power of prayer. We're glad you're here this morning. If you're watching online, we're so glad you're doing that, as well as those down in F3. And um, let's turn our attention to the Jesus Storybook Bible uh, to tell us that story of Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. How to pray. In those days, there were some extra super holy people. At least that's what they thought. And they were called Pharisees. Every day, they would stand out there in the middle of the street and pray out loud in big, extra super holy voices. They really weren't praying so much as just showing off. They used a lot of special words that were so clever, no one understood what they meant. People walking by would stop and stare, which might sound rude, except that's exactly what the extra-super-holy people wanted. They wanted everyone to say, Oh, look at them, they're so holy. God must love those people best. Now, you and I both know they were wrong. God doesn't just love holy people. But the people walking by weren't so sure. 
Perhaps you did have to be really clever or good or important for God to love you. Perhaps you had to know lots of difficult, clever words to speak to God. So one day, Jesus taught people how to pray. He said, when you pray, don't pray like those extra super holy people. They think if they say lots of words, God will hear them. But it's not because you're so clever or good or so important that God will listen to you. God listens to you because he loves you. Did you know that God is always listening to you? Did you know that God can hear the quietest whisper deep inside your heart, even before you've started to say it? Because God knows exactly what you need even before you ask him, Jesus told them. You see, God just can't wait to give you all that you need. So you don't need to use long words or special words. You don't have to use a special voice. You just have to talk. So when you pray, pray in your normal voice. Just like when you're talking to someone you love very much. Like this. Hello, Daddy. We want to know you and be close to you. Please show us how. Make everything in the world right again and in our hearts too. Do what is best, just like you do in heaven. And please, do it down here too. Please give us everything we need today. And forgive us for doing wrong, for hurting you. Forgive us just as we forgive other people when they hurt us. Rescue us. We need you. We don't want to keep running away and hiding from you. Keep us safe from our enemies. You're strong, God. You can do whatever you want. You are in charge. Now and forever and for always. We think you're great. Amen. Yes, we do. You see, Jesus was showing people that God would always love them with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. So they didn't need to hide anymore or be afraid or ashamed. They could stop running away from God. They could run to him instead, as a little child runs into her daddy's arms. You know, we could spend uh, weeks and weeks here on uh, a series on prayer. Just so much that could be involved in it. This morning, I want to focus on two passages. Uh, there's a passage in uh, Matthew chapter 6 and a passage in um, uh, Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, um, it says this. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Um, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he'd finished, his disciples says, hey, hey, teach us to pray. Um, Jesus, Jesus was always praying, it seemed like. He had a priority on prayer. Um, and it's a perfectly logical question that the disciples are asking. They saw Jesus pray so often, finally it's just like, hey, that, that prayer thing that you do, 
can you tell us how, how to do it? In um, Luke chapter 5, it says that um, Jesus would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Chapter 6, he went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. It was just a priority for Jesus. Jesus always prayed. Um, and so it wasn't lost on the disciples and they said, do, do, do a little seminar for us. Teach us to pray. They could have asked Jesus anything. Hey, teach us to preach. <clears throat> Teach us to tell, tell stories, parables. Teach us to do miracles. But, but the one thing they ask of Jesus, they said, teach us to pray. Um, we'll come back to this uh, Luke passage, chapter 11. But I want you to turn your Bibles over to Matthew's gospel, chapter, chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. And... Um, We'll start with verse 5, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus says, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will, will reward you. The, the purpose of prayer, again, it's so simple. It's talking with God. It's not to uh, display your, your spiritual prowess your, before people. It's not to... Um, you know, show folks how religious we are. What's the purpose of prayer? It's to talk with God. It's to commune with Him. It's to have a conversation with Almighty God. Just, just, just go into your inner room and close the door and talk with God. Fellowship with Him. Commune with Him. The purpose of prayer. You and God connecting. It was a priority for Jesus. He shares a purpose as communion with God. But in answer to the disciples' questions, teach us to pray, he also gives us the pattern for prayer. So the passage there in Matthew 6 continues. Verse 7, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then a it's added, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's amazing how, how, how simple prayer is. Um, how, I mean, you can outline this very simply. Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us to do what you do. 
All right? He said, um, here, it's two, two things. Talk to the Father about himself. And then talk to the Father about yourself. That's it. Talk to God about God. And then talk to God about you. Say, our Father who is in heaven. By the way, Father, uh, in the Old Testament, I think that concept of God being Father is, is used about 12 times, but it's never used as a direct address. It's, um, it's used like God, Father-like attributes of God in the Old Testament, but not a direct address. And here Jesus, and I think that's what was so intriguing with the disciples, they hear Jesus, they listen in, and he talks, he says, Father, Abba, Daddy. Father, you who are in heaven. Um, a relational connection with God. Um, and Jesus did it, and he gives his disciples permission to address God that way, and he gives us permission. If we know Jesus as our personal Savior, we're part of the family. And we are invited to come before, yes, the throne of God, the, the creator of the universe, and address him as Father. Talk to the Father about the Father. Our Father who, was art, who art in heaven. But he says, hallowed be your name. It's interesting construction. It's an imperative. Literally, it could be translated, make your name holy. Our Father who is in heaven, make your name holy. Um, what, what is Jesus getting at here? I, I don't want to take a lot of time here, but I, I think th this prayer is couched in a, in a, we have to understand the Jewish context in which Jesus was praying this and teaching his disciples. And it takes us back really to Ezekiel and some other Old Testament passages, but Ezekiel chapter 20 as an example. Um, I can just read there. It's Ezekiel 20 starting in verse 39. But God says this, and as for you, O house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, go, serve everyone as idols. But later you will surely listen to me, and my holy name you will profane no longer with your gifts and with your idols. For on my holy mountain, on the high mountain of Israel, declares the Lord God, there the whole house of Israel, all of them, will serve me in the land there I will accept them. There I will seek your contributions and your choicest gifts with all your holy things. And then God says, as a soothing aroma, I will accept you when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you from the lands where you are scattered. And then I will prove myself holy among you in the sight of all the nations. Now, what God is saying here, and it's other passages in the Old Testament, he's saying there is a day coming when I will show myself holy. I'm going to set up my kingdom on my holy mountain, and Israel will, in repentance, come before God in his holy mountain and serve a holy God on his holy mountain and his holy name will no longer be profaned in this world because his kingdom 
will be set up on earth. The Messiah is going to return. And he's going to set up that kingdom on earth. And he's going to gather his people and all the world and all the mess of this fallen creation and all the, the sin of the ages. It's all going to be taken care of. And Jesus is going to reign supreme in Jerusalem in his kingdom and all the earth. The glory of God will be witnessed among all the earth and his holiness experienced and witnessed on this entire earth. Folks, the day is coming and that is going to happen right here in this world. Hallelujah. It's coming. And when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, he said, pray for that. God, make your name holy. This world profanes his name. Washington, D.C. profanes the name of God. All this world is in the grip of the evil one, profaning the name of a holy God. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to teach you to pray. God, make your name holy. Fulfill what you've promised. Make it so, oh God. Make it so. Make it happen. And he continues that thought, and he says, let thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done here on earth that is as in heaven. Lord, bring it. Fulfill what you've promised. Make it happen. God, you are holy. Now make your name holy on this earth. It's really kind of an eschatological prayer for the coming of the kingdom. Lord, Jesus, when, when you're off talking with your father, what do you talk about? Teach us to do that. And he says, well, just talk to the Father about the Father, of his greatness and of his holy plan to one day make everything right on this earth. And then talk to the Father about yourself. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Don't lead us into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Take care of our physical needs. Father, we'll just go to trust you with our daily needs. And we'll trust you with our spiritual needs. Talk to the Father about yourself, about your physical needs, your, your spiritual issues. Ask him for help to avoid sin's power, to prepare you for the coming kingdom. Um, talk to the Father about the Father. And then go ahead and talk to the Father about yourself. It's simple. The pattern of prayer. But now let's go back to that, that Luke passage. Turn back to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Jesus continues to instruct his disciples. We've seen the priority of prayer, the purpose of prayer, the pattern of prayer. But Jesus now, in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 5, talks about the the, the uh, persistence of prayer. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. Then he said to them, For, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says to him, hey friend, lend me, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside the house he answers and says, do not bother me. The door's already been shut. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Verse 8. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet 
because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. In other words, Jesus is saying, be persistent. Keep knocking at the door. Um, kind of speaks to boldness a little bit. Um, bold persistence pays off. And if it pays off to a, to a friend who you're wanting to ask and get something from, don't you think that persistent prayer will pay off when he talked to your father who loves you? We are his children. We, we are the children in, in his home. It's not like the neighbor coming over and knocking on the door. It's like one of the kids getting up and saying, hey, Dad, I need some food. Jesus is just simply saying, keep talking to God. Don't stop. Be persistent in your prayer. And then verse 9, Jesus speaks of the promise of prayer. And so I say to you, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be opened to you. Then he repeats it. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds, and he who knocks, it'll be open to you. Ask, seek, knock. Um, and, it's, and Jesus is not saying, you're going to get everything you ask for and seek for. But, but what is it that is, that is what, what's your heart driving? Lord, here's my issue. Here's my need. Talk to him about it. Um, God, is not a, God is not some magical genie that you rub him the right way and he's going, poof, you get what you want. He's not a, God is not a vending machine. You know, you push the right buttons and out pops the goodies. God is God. And he's all wise and he, he, he knows what's best. And he's simply promising us, come to me. Come persistently to me. And I know what you need. So ask me and keep knocking and keep seeking me. And I'll minister to you. I'll give you what you really need. I'm, uh, I'm a father who loves you. I'm not reluctant in pouring out my blessing to you. I mean, God is not some miserly grandfather up there that, uh, you know, you've got to pry his hands open. To... He is abounding in loving kindness. He is abounding in blessing. Ask, he says, I'll open the storehouse of heaven. In fact, he says, I've already done it. I've given everything you need for life and godliness. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, I've already poured it out on you. I'll help you open your eyes to see it and experience it. Just come to me. Come to me. Talk to me about it. Let's have a conversation. Jesus also speaks, I think, of the precision of prayer. Verse 11. Now suppose one of you, uh, one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He won't give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he has asked for, asked, asked for an egg, he's not going to give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, fallen humanity, how, uh, and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Um, the precision of prayer. God has such creative ways to, to connect our, the burden of our heart 
the, the requests from our lips, the, the cry of anguish or, or even joy of our soul, and he has a way to just precisely bring about the perfect plan. Nothing's wasted with God. I had an issue happen this week with me. And um, it was um, something that just had to get resolved. And it didn't seem like it was getting resolved. And finally, uh, Wednesday evening, I just said, Lord, yeah, it would sure be nice if this would be over by 10 o'clock tonight. Like, you know, 10 o'clock, just Lord, resolve this by 10 o'clock tonight. 10 o'clock, it resolved. Here I am, you know, I was a little shocked, but here I am studying for prayer and Jesus and asking and precision and, you know, ask, seek, knock. And, All right, Lord, I'd sure love this to be resolved by 10 o'clock. <laughs> it was like he was just reminding me. Um, you know, in the previous little illustration, it's a friend going next door. In this illustration, it's the father listening to his children. I, I heard a story of a guy... Uh, uh, Mark Smith, he uh, was a 33-year-old guy, a lecturer at Cambridge. He was uh, kayaking off the Isle of Wight uh, in, in off the coast of England, and he capsized in very turbulent water. His instinct was to, re he was able to reach, get his cell phone, and immediately, who did he call? He called his dad. His dad is training British, uh, British uh, soldiers in Dubai, 3,500 miles away, and he answered, he told him situation. Dad said, I'll handle it. He called the Coast Guard, which had just a mile away, had an outpost. And 12 minutes later, the kid is being pulled up by a helicopter and he's rescued. And he went to his dad. Um, we go to our Heavenly Father. It's interesting, verse 13, it might seem a little odd. They said, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to make to you who asked for it. How's that got thrown in there? Um, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Kind of like, okay, where did that come from? But it makes perfectly good sense in light of the context, in light of the previous prayer. This is how you pray. Make your name holy, thy kingdom come. Now again, I won't take the time to develop this. When we studied the book of Isaiah a few years ago, we got into this just a little bit, but the Old Testament prophets said that one of the characteristics of this coming kingdom, of this millennial reign of Jesus when he returns, one of the sure signs is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's passage after passage after passage. The Holy Spirit uh, is referred to seven, eight times in the Old Testament. Over half of them are referring to times at the end of the age, in the millennial coming of the reign of the king, the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. And I think what Jesus is saying here is, ask the Father. May your kingdom come. And as we ask for that, we're asking for the, for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, for the coming of God's power and presence. Now, um, we can't, again, get into the depths of theology on this, but 
you know, when Jesus uh, was raised after the resurrection, Acts chapter 1 said he spent uh, 40 days talking to his disciples. You know what he was talking to the disciples about? Acts chapter 1, verse 4, I think it is. He's talking about the kingdom of God, the coming kingdom, right? He spends 40 days talking to them about the day, the age to come, and then he tells them, um, John baptized you with water, but you're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Whoa! The disciples hear that. They know these passages. Jesus was teaching on it for 40 days. Isaiah, all these passages, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. God is going to pour out his Holy Spirit upon his people, and the, the, the age, that the, this fallen sinful world, as we know it, is going to come to an end. And the kingdom of God is going to reign supreme. And so the disciples say to Acts chapter 1, is it, now, verse, is it now that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I mean, is it happening now? Jesus says, hey, don't, don't rush into this thing. It's not for you to know the times or the, the epochs that the Father has set. You just be my witnesses. You go to Jerusalem, stay in Jerusalem until what has been promised comes. And so they go there, and, and all of a sudden in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, what happened? Boom! They got their hair on fire. The power of the Holy Spirit came. Now, Peter, James, and John, and the, the apostles, and everybody thought, it, it's happening. I, except for one minor detail, they just saw Jesus ascend into heaven. He's supposed to be there on earth, setting up his kingdom in Jerusalem. What gives? Um, well, we know, 2,000 years we've known, that God had another program. He raised up another people, the church of Jesus Christ. That's you, that's me, if we know Jesus as our personal Savior. And what he did, at the moment we trust Christ as our Savior, he pours out his presence into us, all of them. The very presence of God, the Holy Spirit, is poured out into our life. If you know Jesus as your Savior, we've got everything we need to bring glory and honor and to display to this world the power of God in our life. To take our sorrows and turn into joys. To take our, our burdens and our, our suffering and see Him honored and glorified with joy in the midst of it. Joy inexpressible, full of glory. That's the power of God by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, pray. He's telling His disciples. Talk to the God, to the Father. May your kingdom come, and for every believer in Jesus Christ, in a sense, that, 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 that kingdom of the power of the Holy Spirit is resident in our life the moment we trust Christ as our Savior. And we're called upon to, to be that light and that testimony into this world, to be faithful witnesses to Him, until one day the full expression of that kingdom is going to come, and Jesus is going to return, and He's going to set His foot on Mount of olives and he's going to reign in Jerusalem and he'll make his name holy on the earth um, great great sermon short little sermon on prayer in fact they all the points begin with P um, the priority of prayer the pattern of prayer the persistence of, of, of prayer the promise of prayer the precision of prayer there's one more though one more point that has to be made. Uh, there's a problem with prayer. And that's me. I don't do it very well. 
I mean, there's probably not a person in this room who's satisfied with your prayer life. So oftentimes, it's just an add-on to something, a little Bible reading, a little Bible class with fellow believers. It's who would like to close in prayer today? The thing about prayer is that it's not complicated. This is not hard. It's simply talking with God. Um, it's not like the discipline of giving, right? I mean, giving, we've got to kind of budget and plan and think through. If, you, you'll, if you've given to FBC, there's, there's statements here that you can take for tax purposes after the end of the service, and you get those and, you know, look at them and, and then tell yourself to be a little more disciplined and give a little more next year. But giving takes a little extra time. Serving takes a little extra time. I've got to plan my, okay, I'm going to help in the nursery. Or I'm going to help with the youth ministry. That means I've got to cut out this time. And prayer, um, what could be simpler? So why do I struggle with it? Why is it less than what it should be in my life? Let me just mention some things as, as I was thinking about this. Maybe it's just because I really do think I'm too busy. I mean, life is busy. I can get up in the morning and fully intending to spend some time in prayer and talk with God, but gee whiz, there's a, the, 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 you know, the phone starts dinging because there's these text messages and the emails and people I got to talk to and then you got to get to work and you got to do this and I'll add it on at the end of the day and then, you know, well, look, I'm, I'm busy. It's like, it's like being too busy to fill your car up with gas, right? You know, you got an important appointment, but you know you're on dead empty, but you think you can make it so because you're lost in time, you're so busy you can't stop to get gas, and, and halfway there you run out of gas. A friend stops, sees you there, he's pull, pulling by and sees you with your hood up and stops and happens to have a gallon of gas with him. Wonderful, thank you, put the gallon of gas in. Now I can make it to the gas station that's just around the corner, but <clears throat> you know, I've got to make that appointment. I'm so busy, so psh, we go right past the gas station and you know, a few miles more down the road, there I am with my hood up again and I've uh, run out of gas because I never took the time to fill it up. And, and we just get so busy, we never take time to fill our souls up with a conversation with God. Why don't I pray more? Why is my prayer more fervent? Maybe it's because I think I don't really, you know, I really don't have any needs right now. I mean, things are pretty good. Is it possible that I'm, you know, getting along so well without much praying that, you know, maybe I'm just, I'm, I can handle life pretty well. I'm pretty self, you know, contained and capable and, and uh, I can solve these things. Uh, maybe it's, I'm, I'm just too satisfied, too complacent, except on those occasional times in our life, you know, we, we track our life off and there are spike moments of prayer. 19 years ago, there was a spike moment in my life of prayer when I had cancer. Woo, there goes the prayer life. <laughs> it's way up there. Um, maybe I don't pray because I don't care enough for others. Uh, Mark, would you, would you pray for me on this thing? Yep, gotcha, gotcha covered. Out of sight, out of mind. Who were they and what did they want? Hmm, I don't know. Don't look at me so piously. Come on now, you're like that too. 
You know, that's why it's sometimes so helpful that someone comes up to you and says, hey, will you pray for me on this thing? Just do it right then. Let's do it right now. Right, let's pray. I'd love to see in this church on Sunday mornings, just all over, little places in the hall or whatever, where we're just grabbing one another, and as we talk in fellowship and say, hey, I've got this need and prayer, would you pray for me this week? Sure, let's do it right now. Little, little prayer meetings going along here. Now, how, do we care for people enough to, to pray? Why don't I pray more? Why am why I not more fervent in prayer? Maybe just because I'm a small thinker. You know, a, 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 my, my vision is, is so caught in the mundane routines. You know, I, I get up in the morning, I do this, I do that, I pay my bills, you know, I go to work, I, I, whatever, you know, we go to the grocery store, we do this, <laughs> go to bed, start the routine over again. It's just kind of the mundane little life. And, you know, just don't, I just don't care to ask God for the salvation of that person that, humanly speaking, will be, you know, earth-shattering if they came to faith. <laughs> it's like God can't even save that person. <laughs> I never dream big, so why even talk to God about it? You know, probably the main reason why I might not pray like I should or have the fervency of prayer might be simply because my, my view of God is so small. And small views of God make pretty small prayer lives. I think to the degree that we are growing in an understanding of who God is, all of a sudden, we will talk with him about anything and everything. Because he's God. He's the sovereign king of kings. He's a, the omnipotent ruler over all. But if my view of God is so shallow, I'll have a very shallow prayer life. Call him Father, but, but go ahead and make bold and persistent requests to him. Commune with him as a beloved child. I mean, wh why would we not? What am I passing it up for? An extra hour of TV? <laughs> well, that's too convicting. Let's move on. There was a 17th century French priest, Francois Fénelon, who shared some thoughts about prayer that I think are worth hearing as we close. He said, tell God all that is in your heart as one unloads one's hearts, its pleasures, its pains, like you're talking to a dear friend. Tell him your troubles that he may comfort you. Tell him your joys that he can sober them. Tell him your longings that he may purify them and your dislikes that he may help you conquer them. Talk to him about your temptations so that he'll shield you from them and show him the wounds of your heart that he can heal them. Lay bare your indifference to good, your depraved tastes for evil, your instability. Tell him how self-love makes you unjust to others, how vanity tempts you to be insincere, how pride disguises you to yourself and to others. And if you thus pour out your weaknesses and your needs and your troubles, there will be no lack of what to say. You will never exhaust the subject. It is continually being renewed. People who have no secrets from each other never want for subjects of conversation. 
They don't weigh their words for there's nothing to be held back. Neither do they seek for something to say. They, they talk out of the abundance of their heart without consideration. They say just what they think. Blessed are they who attain to such familiar, unreserved conversations with the Almighty God. Lord, teach me to pray. Simple enough, isn't it? Let's pray. Our Father, forgive us for taking for granted one of the highest gifts, privileges, blessings that could ever be bestowed upon unworthy people. The gift of conversation with you. just expressing intimacy, communion, fellowship, friendship, the cry of a child's heart, the expressions of happiness and joy to our divine parent, our Father. And I would ask, Lord, that this is just not a sermon, that it would, that it would stir us, Father, to consider this privilege and accomplish it um, in ways, in greater ways than maybe we've ever experienced before. Our simple prayer, Father, this morning is as the disciples said, Lord, teach us, teach me to pray. In Jesus' name, amen.